Hello. I want to look today at the rise of the Antichrist. I want to look specifically at to what does he rise? Um, how does he take power? And thirdly, I want to look at how is power given to him. Welcome to another episode of Wake the Bride podcast. My name is Luke Beats. And in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul states, in that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. It is my goal to help stir a sleeping church and to motivate weary believers by looking at current events, Bible prophecy, and apologetics. Hopefully, by the end of each episode, we can better see as Jesus did. In John 4.35, when he said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Um, as I said, I want to look at the rise of Antichrist. I want to try and answer those three specific questions um, as to to what what do I mean um, by the rise of Antichrist? Um, how does he take power? And this may seem like I'm just restating that first that second question again, but I'm not, and we'll get into that later, but how is power given to him? Now, in the King James Version of the Bible, the term Antichrist is only used four times. It is only found in the first and second epistles of John. Um, however, that the Antichrist is spoken of elsewhere in Scripture is clear from those passages. It's clear that the people to whom John was writing already knew. It was already in Scripture. It may not have um, be translated in our English language, especially in the King James, um, as Antichrist, but that he was already spoken of becomes very clear. You'll notice in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, about one of those four times that he's mentioned, the Bible says, Little children, it is the last time, and ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. And even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. But he specifically says, as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. So John wasn't introducing a new topic to them. Um, so if they had heard about Antichrist, and if John wasn't just newly introducing, and they had heard of him, and they knew he was coming, who is this enigmatic, wow, who is this mysterious person? I don't know why I cannot say that word right there. Enigmatic person, there we go, um, that seems so shrouded in mystery. What will he do? Where will he come from? What can we know about him from Scripture? Um, not man's opinion. From Scripture, what can we know about him? Now, Scripture makes it clear that the Antichrist is going to be a global dictator slash ruler. Uh, Revelation 13, verse number 1. And I, to John speaking here, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. 
And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Now, I don't want to get too deep into what this beast and the um, different uh, aspects and different descriptions. And I don't want us to get too muddled into that later. Whenever we get into the kingdom of the Antichrist, we will deal more specifically with that. Suffice it to say that in the Bible, um, beast, especially images like this that's given to us, uh, deal with nations, empires, or with a specific individual. This one deals with both. Both the empire of the Antichrist and the Antichrist himself. But we will get into that next, probably next week when we look at the kingdom of the Antichrist. But let me get back on topic here. Um, so this man does what so many have tried to do throughout the centuries. He ascends to power and authority. And it's an authority and a power that spans the globe. You'll notice in verse number 8 of Revelation 13, we just read it, where it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain for the foundation of the world you'll also notice earlier uh, in that same passage that it said that all the world verse three all the world wondered after the beast um, you'll also notice that, that that in their wonder and their worship of him they say who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him so we see that he is a man of authority he rises to, uh, to prominence. Um, and like I said, he does what so many have tried to do. He gains ascendancy and authority over the globe. Now, how does he take power? How does this come to him? Down through history, there have been those who have tried and failed to rule the world. Men such as Caesar, Pharaoh, um, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin. Now, I understand that um, Caesar is more of a term, Pharaoh is more of a term, but look specifically at these other three that I mentioned, Napoleon, Hitler, and Stalin. Now, <clears throat> these men attempted to use the chaos of their days to bend the will of the masses to obey them. Napoleon attempted to use the disorder of the French Revolution and the poverty of the French people to ascend to power. Uh, and for a while it worked, and Europe was made to tremble before the onslaught and approach of his armies. But then came Waterloo and his defeat. The plight of a single nation proved not enough to propel him to his coveted seat of world dominance. Um, Hitler, Hitler sought to ride the wave of hatred and anger of a dis of the disillusioned German people to his dreams of grandeur by promising prosperity and a return to greatness and power for the nation of Germany uh, for the nation of Germany he took power and brought on the horrors 
of what would become known as World War II. This evil man with lightning speed flooded Europe with such slaughter, bloodshed, and and, and inhumane torture that the sorrow he caused was near incalculable. However, in the end, even he was defeated and relegated to the dustbin of history as a failure in his pursuit of world authority. Next, we see Stalin. Stalin made his appearance on the pages of history by taking advantage of the disorder left by the death of Lenin. Um, through terror and intimidation, he rose to prominence to become the dictator of the Soviet Union. His policy caused the death of millions through needless man-made and man-brought-on famine. Under his leadership, communism was exported across Europe, though he accumulated much power, and though he died before the fall of the Soviet Union, he still did not reach his desired goal of world governance. Yes, his uh, influence spread. Yes, it permeated other nations around, and, and there was that, that, that period of such power but still, in the end, he fell short. And the empire that he built crumbled before it became worldwide. Where all three of these fell short, the Antichrist will succeed. Um, now, we have seen, some may ask, well, how is he going to succeed where others failed? Well, we have seen in recent days, um, throughout this very year, 2020, how quickly people were willing to do whatever they were told would make them safe. It didn't matter. It didn't seem to matter what the orders were, what the um, regulation was imposed, what freedom it denied them. As long as it made them feel safe, they were willing to do it. Um, if they were told to stay at home and... I, and in isolation by themselves, they did it. If they were told that would make them safe, people have been willing to do that. When they were told to stay away from family and friends, even here in America, we celebrate Thanksgiving, even on such an important holiday, people did it. Why? Because they were told, you'll be safer. You will be safe if you stay by yourself. When people were told that in order to be safe, you need to, 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 to refrain from meeting for worship, they obeyed. They complied with what they were told would make them safe. When told to wear a mask, uh, society rushed to follow the orders, anything to feel safe. And notice the following scripture with that in mind. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 3. For when they shall say peace and safety. Mm, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And when you look at the context of the scripture, you'll see that it's talking about the, the coming of the day of the Lord and how it's going to take men by surprise, and they are going to be reaching and grasping for two things, which really come together in one, peace and safety. Make me secure. Bring 
back normalcy. And that is how the Antichrist will rise to power. It won't be like in France, where there was chaos in that one country, or in Germany, where there was such hatred and anger and such disillusionment. Um, It won't be just in the Soviet Union, but worldwide, the stage is being set. For a man to arise that has a plan. A man that can rise up and say, I will make you safe and I will restore peace. Now the Bible tells us that it is through flattery and deceit that the Antichrist takes power. Though he is specifically said to be a vile person. You'll see this in Daniel chapter 11 uh, verse 21. The Bible says, and in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. In other words, he's not going to be one that people say, oh, we need to just follow him. I mean, he people are going to understand, and they're going to have some reserve about this person. But because of his deceit and because of his flattery, because of his promises of peace and safety, his lies that he tells, what was not going to just be given to him, he will come into or he will take by deceit, by flattery. You'll notice in, um, that was verse 21, you'll notice in 23 and 24, and after the league made with him, so after he starts making uh, treaties and, and leagues with different nations, uh, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people, and he shall enter peaceably, even unto the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey, and spoil, and riches, yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds, even for a time. He's going to start out and come into power by promising peace to a troubled world by means of these false peace that he is promising. He will be given power. It will be given to him. You'll see this in Revelation chapter 6 verse 2. And I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now you're going to notice. says he's got a bow. Does not mention arrows. He has a show of strength. And he goes forth to conquer and to conquer. But in his show of strength. He is promising peace. But by his flatteries. And by his deceit. He conquers. He takes power. And he conquers by deceit. He begins as a peaceful. What? He begins by proclaiming himself to be a man of peace, an agent of peace. But quickly that changes. Now, we've looked at how he takes power. But how is power given to him? While it is clear that he rises to power through deceit and flattery, it is also clear that he does not make his ascent alone. He has help from two major sources. One uh, one of these sources is out in the open. Everyone sees him. Everyone knows him. Everyone can 
can see, hey, this guy's doing things. But then there's another uh, and really a more powerful one that works behind the scenes. However, it is the one that works behind the scenes that is the true source of power. Now, what do I mean? Um, the Bible tells us in uh, Second Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 9, speaking of the Antichrist, it says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Um, you'll see in verse number 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Revelation chapter 13, verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? This is, this Antichrist, the Antichrist. He is Satan's man. He's the one who is, you could almost say it is Satan's near final play. That he pushes this man, he, he raises this man up at the end to do his bidding, to rule an empire, to rule the world. It is Satan's moment to shine through this individual. But as I said, that's the one who's working behind the scenes. Now I say it's behind the scenes because you notice in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9, it says, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Um, you'll notice also in Revelation 13 and 4, and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. It is really Satan that empowers this individual, that gives him the power that is needed to accomplish his goals. Um, but as I said, that, that's the one working behind the scenes. There's another more um, out in the open and visible. You see this in Revelation chapter 13 again, verses 11 through 13. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So you see, that not only is there a power behind the beast, and really you'll notice um, verse number 12, which we just read, speaking of the false prophet, says, and he exercises all the power of the first beast. So this false prophet is also empowered by Satan. Uh, many have looked at this and said that this is the unholy trinity of the Bible. This is the... Um, Satan's uh, mockery or mimic, I guess you would say, of the Trinity, where there is Satan, and then there's the Antichrist, and there is a false prophet. And they've said this is Satan trying to mirror it, but it, it's an unholy and a abominable thing that is done here. Um, but you'll notice that the, um, excuse me, You'll notice that the Antichrist, yes, he rises to power by making his promises of peace. Yes, he rises to power and ascends to power by deceit, by uh, lies, by flattery. 
But you see that he is greatly helped by this man, this false prophet who comes in and points the world to this man, to this Antichrist. And he brings so much attention to the Antichrist by doing what the Bible calls lying in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, lying signs and wonders. This calling down of fire, this healing of a deadly wound, this uh, attempted to make it look like a resurrection. Um, some would say there is a resurrection spoken of here. I'm really, I don't know. I'd have to look at it a little closer. It, it, um, there is a healing that happens here. There is um, demonic power. Really, this would be more than demonic power. This would be satanic power that is on display here. Um, you're going to notice that because of the turmoil that the world finds itself in, uh, and because of the miracles that the Antichrist and the false prophets do, that the false prophet does, that the world will quickly fall in line. It, the Antichrist rises to power um, really because of a coming together of nearly a perfect storm. The world finds itself in such dire straits and in such chaos. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, that men's hearts will fail them for fear for looking at those things which are coming on the earth. It speaks of a time which will be unlike any other, a day of trouble, a time of tribulation, and of horror on this world that has never been seen and that will never be seen again. And it is during this time when men are so fearful and are just looking for someone to make the pain stop. Someone to restore order, to restore a sense of normalcy, someone to do something to make them feel safe. That into that vacuum steps the Antichrist. And though, as the Bible says, he will be a vile man, yet because of his promises of peace, and because that will be the thing that the masses of this world want so bad, is just give me peace. Give me security and safety. And then he backs his words up with the miracles that he and the false prophet does. It becomes very easy to see why the world will follow him. Now, when Jesus was on earth, the Bible gives us this record of his encounter with Satan. The, the Bible gives us this record in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 6. And the devil said unto him, all this power, he's just shown him all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, he takes him up to a high place. And the Bible says in an instant, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says this, and the devil said unto him, Luke 4, chapter 4, verse number 6, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Now, it is very apparent from the text that Jesus, in fact, I mean, it's pretty well spelled out, Jesus refuses him. Jesus, really, if you look at it, it's kind of a, um, it's a startling thing. Satan comes to the Son of God, who is going, biblically and prophetically, to take all the kingdoms of this world and make them his own. Um, and Satan comes to him and offers and says, listen, I can give you this without the cross. I can give you this 
without the suffering, without the shame, and without the pain. Let me do it my way. And Jesus refuses him. However, you do notice he did not argue and say, no, it's not yours to give. He didn't say that. He didn't refute the devil. He, he rebuked him, but he did not refute him. Paul speaks of Satan and calls him the prince of the power of the air, calls him the god of this world. And so therefore, when he says, these kingdoms are mine, and I can give them to whomsoever I will, Jesus refuses. However, it is very apparent that this future Antichrist, the Antichrist, he takes Satan up on the offer. And you'll notice that the Bible says that they worship the dragon who had given power to the beast, but you also notice that it says they worship the beast. So it would seem that in worshiping the beast, in worshiping the Antichrist, they are, in essence, worshiping Satan, which is what Satan required in order to give this to who he would. So the Antichrist, he takes the opposite path of Christ, which is why he would be called the Antichrist. He opposes Christ. He is a poor substitute that is offered to the world for Christ. But he does the opposite. When Satan offered that to Christ, Christ said no. It was going to be his anyway, but he submitted to the will of his Father. Though he is and was God in the flesh, yet he submitted to his Father and refused the offer of Satan. But this Antichrist, which is merely a man, he accepts the offer. So the most clear reading of Scripture makes it obvious that the Antichrist comes to power by promising peace and security. He is aided by his false prophet sidekick, who goes about working lying wonders and miracles. Now, by means of these two attention grabbers, the working of signs and miracles and the promise of peace and security, he is able to capitalize on the chaotic circumstances that are not just limited to one country, but the world over. This is how he takes power. Does not take God by surprise. He has told this from the past, from thousands of years ago through the prophets, up to our day. The warning has been given to a world that really, in essence, is going to refuse to heed that warning. And they will refuse to heed it at their own peril. Because as I said, though he comes in promising peace, and he comes in trying to appear as a lamb, he quickly turns into a ravenous wolf, and as the Bible calls him, a beast. In light of all that we have seen today, let's go out and do what Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's wake up and go out to win a lost world for our Savior and God, Jesus Christ.